So last week I promised you some audio clips yeah. from our EVP. Last week I said that I thought it was probably some random noise in the raw track. Yeah. So I pulled up the raw track. I'll play it for you. I raised the levels so you can hear it, obviously. But I didn't do anything else. So it's just pure raw audio, just raise the levels. Originally, I thought it came from my track, but it was actually on your track. <laughs> oh my God. So when I play my track and I enhanced the sound, you'll hear a lot of static. So sorry for that. But like I said, I wasn't going to clean it up at all. Yeah. On your track, it sounds a lot cleaner. Maybe it was my throat. <laughs> well, let's listen. And so I'm on the fence now. Last week I said, probably just some random noise. It sounds more random on your track than mine, so I don't know. Well, let me play it. So the first one is my track, and then, like I said, there'll be a lot of static, so I apologize for that. Hope this isn't too loud. Did he just happen to have the alligator, or did he go find it and throw it through? He was. All right. Mm -hmm. So now here's your track. Did he just happen to have the alligator, or did he go find it and throw it through? He was... Yours sounds more like a random sound. Yeah. To me, but like I said, power suggestion, right? Yeah. Now let, let me loop through my track, just the sound. Okay. Hmm. Does sound like a word, right? Some word. Yeah. Uh, like I already told you last week, sounds like pretty to me, <laughs> but I don't, that might just be in my head. So now here's your track. Weird. What's that? That's weird. Yeah. I don't know what to make of it. I'm more concerned that it's on my side. <laughs> What is it's, hanging out over here? It's weird because it sounds clearer on your side. Yeah. But mine had to be enhanced and it was more static and stuff. So I don't know what to make of it. We'll leave it as unsolved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and wait and see if we pick up any more. Yeah. Now it's going to be shy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't be shy unless you're a demon. Yeah. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> I don't want that over here. <laughs> anyway, tonight, let's see, tonight, I'm kind of doing a mix of true crime, paranormal, and unfortunately, a lot of history. <laughs> <laughs> I shelved this story quite a while ago, kept thinking about doing it, and would put it back. It's about the Donner Party. Yes. So cannibalism and ghosts. Fun. Yes. But not really. And I think next week you're going to follow up with, what's his name? 
<laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer, right. <laughs> Sorry, mine went blank there for a minute. Yes. So we can start our cannibal th- series. It technically started with the first episode with... Uh, oh, yeah. Elizabeth Bathory? Elizabeth, yeah. Yes, I remember that. I will never forget. Uh-huh. <laughs> Originally, I was looking for information about ghosts at Donner Lake, or Donner Memorial State Park, as it is now, which, of course, is the site where the members of the Donner Party were trapped during the winter of 1846-47. And many resorted to cannibalism to survive. That's crazy. Yeah. I didn't find as many ghost stories as I had thought I would, but while researching, I did gain more respect for what the Donner Party went through. Mm. And not just during that winter, but what the survivors had to deal with after they were rescued. Yeah. With the inquiries into the cannibalism and the children who were orphaned after losing their parents. That's sad. Yeah. Now, is this park where you can go and visit now? Yes. That's always so weird to me that these like tragic things happen and we can go visit the sites today. Yeah, well, it's a huge park, I believe. But then they have the memorial there for the Donner Party. Yeah. Yeah, it is kind of weird. Though. I did read the book from the expedition of the Donner Party and its tragic fate, which was written by Eliza Poor Donner Houghton, who was only three at the time. Oh. Both her father, George Donner, and mother, Tamson Donner, died in the mountains. Her sisters, Georgia and Frances, who also survived, were four and six at the time. All young. Yeah. She talks about the expedition, of course, and also talks about their lives after they were rescued. Yeah. Pretty fascinating book. Thought it was a good read. Sounds interesting and very sad. Yes, it was very sad. I won't get into all the details of the expedition since it is beyond the scope of our subject matter. Yeah. But I do want to give a little background because I think we tend to forget how difficult travel was back then and what they endured to try to get a better feel for why they did what they did. People migrating to California back then would take an established route, starting on the Oregon Trail from Independence, Missouri, and then in Idaho, they would pick up the California Trail and head down through Nevada. The most difficult part of the journey was the last 100 miles through the Sierra Nevada mountains, which is where the Donner Party got stuck. The journey was over 2,100 miles and generally took four to six months. That's crazy to think about. Considering that trip today to drive would take us about a day and a half. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, so there are many stories within this story. That are really fascinating, but obviously, again, giving a little bit of history lesson. Hope it's not boring. No. But there is a lot more to it if anybody's interested in going and checking it out. The trip is a seasonable expedition because the travelers relied on grass for their pack animals. So they had to wait until late spring to ensure there was enough grass available. But they also needed to make sure that they made it through the mountains before winter. Yeah. Mid to late April was considered the most optimal time to start. 
The Donner Party didn't leave independence until May 12th. So that was their first mistake. Yeah. The party started out with the families of George Donner, his younger brother Jacob, and James Fraser Reed. So it is sometimes also known as the Donner Reed Party, not to be confused with Donna Reed. <laughs> I don't know if you get that reference, but hopefully somebody who's listening is old enough to get it. I know the name. Okay. <laughs> Along with the families, they had a dozen Teamsters and other employees. Just over 30 members and all in nine wagons. Hmm. Now, I said they made the mistake of leaving late, but they weren't alone. There were about 500 wagons that had left Independence just two days ahead of them. But the Donner Party was the last group to leave for the season. Second mistake... In Wyoming, most of the wagon train continued on the well-known trail, but the Donners, Reeds, and a number of the other groups took bad advice from an unreliable guide named Lansford Hastings, who claimed there was a new route that was faster. Never trust anyone. Yeah. If you've ever been hiking, learn to never trust anyone <laughs> when they direct you a certain way. Yes. <laughs> Do you want to get into that story? No. <laughs> <laughs> From Wyoming, the well-known trail went up through Idaho and then down through Nevada, where Hastings Route, known as Hastings Cutoff, cut through upper Utah to meet back up with the regular trail in Nevada, if anybody's following with a map. <laughs> <laughs> the group that decided to take the new route elected George Donner as the leader and consisted of about 23 wagons and 87 people. Oh my gosh. 43 of them were children. Wow. Yeah. Hastings grossly misled them about the ease of the route and the distance. They were led to believe it would cut over 200 miles off their journey, which would have been a lot yeah. in that time. Yeah. But in fact, it was 150 miles longer. Oh my gosh. And they ended up losing time having to blaze much of the trail themselves by cutting down trees and clearing brush and getting their wagons and livestock over rough terrain. Oh. They also dealt with a number of Indian attacks and nearly died of thirst during a five-day trek across the salt desert of Utah. In all, the shortcut added nearly a month to their journey. And they lost much of their supplies and livestock along the way. That's crazy. Yeah. As they reached the slopes of the Sierra Nevada mountains in early November of 1846, they were caught by an early blizzard that dumped several feet of snow on the area. The mountain route became impassable and they had to make camp at Truckee Lake, which is now known as Donner Lake. Yeah. Sadly, they were only about 100 miles from completing their journey. And if they had reached the pass just a few days earlier, they would have made it off the mountain before the snow came. That's sad. Yeah. They saw no reprieve from the early winter and had to remain camped near the lake as the snow reached 12 to 14 feet by December. On December 16, they decided 15 of the strongest members of the party would try to walk out of the mountains to get help. 
After wandering through the snow for several days and starving, the rescue group decided to resort to cannibalism to survive. They considered drawing straws or dueling to decide who would be eaten. Oh my gosh. But several members were said to have died of natural causes, so they were cooked and eaten. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There were two Native Americans with the group who refused to resort to cannibalism. And they ran off because they were afraid they would be next. Oh. Unfortunately, a couple of days later, the group came across the two exhausted men. William Foster, a member of the group, shot both of them and they were eaten. That's upsetting. Yeah. That was the only certain time people were murdered for food. Although there was one suspected incident back at the camp that could never be proven. Hmm. I don't recall reading anything about Foster getting in trouble for murdering the two men. That's what I was wondering. Yeah, but sadly, since they were Native Americans, it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't. That's true. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. After a month of walking, seven of the men survived and made it to a ranch in California. A month they had to walk. That's crazy. Yeah. Their hike for help is now known as the Forlorn Hope. I did not look up why, so don't ask. (laughs) (laughs) The Donner Party spent about five months on the mountain. Nearly half of that was after they had been located. Oh, my God. That's how difficult the rescue effort was. Yeah. Especially back then with travel. Like, they didn't have helicopters or anything. Right. And the pack animals couldn't be used for the rescue because of the deep snow. So the relief parties could only bring what food and supplies they could carry, which included food they needed for themselves for the trip up and back. Yeah. So they weren't able to bring much food for the stranded. And like I said, many stories within the story, because in the case of the rescue, they actually had to convince men to even join the rescue party. They don't have rescue squads squads and stuff like they do today. Yeah. So it wasn't a given that anyone would even go and help. That's sad. But people did. It took over two months and four different relief groups to shepherd the Donner Party members out of the mountains. Many in the Donner Party were too weak to travel and several died while trying to walk out. The most famous rescuer was John Stark. No relation to Tony Stark. (laughs) In early March, he and two other rescuers were helping a group of 11, mostly kids, that had been left behind by another rescue group. The two other men grabbed a child each and headed back down the mountain. Most of the kids were too weak to walk, but Stark wouldn't leave them behind. He would grab a couple of kids, carry them a few yards, set them down, and then go back for a couple more. He did that all the way down the mountain. Oh my gosh. Saving all nine members left in his charge. At the lake, when supplies ran out, the party slaughtered their pack animals and dogs, gnawed on bones, cooked the animals' hides, and even ate tree bark. Oh my gosh. So they certainly weren't going for the cannibalism right away. Yeah. They were trying to survive. Some of them managed to survive without resorting to cannibalism, but... Many of them died of malnutrition. 
Yeah. But those who were not well enough or strong enough to make the trip out had to resort to cannibalizing the frozen corpses. Oh my gosh. About half of the survivors resorted to cannibalism. George Donner could not travel because he had injured his hand while repairing a wagon wheel and was unable to move as his hand and arm became gangrene, gangrenous. Gangrenous? <laughs> his hand was rotting. Yeah, oh my God. Tamson, his wife, refused to leave her husband's side, but she sent her children with one of the rescue parties. Of the 80 members in the party, 45 managed to walk out alive. Children from three families were orphaned. The last surviving member passed away in 1935, Isabella Breen, who was only one year old at the time. Oh my gosh. The last person rescued was Louis Kesseberg, who was found in April of 1847. He was said to have been wrapped in a blanket, surrounded by human bones, cooking what looked like human organs, and half mad when he was found. Oh my gosh. I'm not sure how much truth there is to those details because he was not a very popular member of the group. He was said to have been an eccentric, antisocial man who occasionally beat his wife and was known to steal. He was found with the Donner's belongings and was accused of killing Tamson. Oh. He admitted to eating her, but claimed she had died of natural causes. Hmm. He was actually accused and tried for murdering six of the other members, but was acquitted because of the lack of evidence. Yeah. But journalists called him the human cannibal, and a lot of embellished stories and rumors started going around about him. Again, that is a whole nother story in and of itself, which I won't get into, but one interesting story is that once Kesseberg settled in California after being rescued, he would often brag about his cannibalism while at bars. That's a weird thing to brag about. Yeah. No idea if this next bit is true or not, but it is interesting in a bizarre way, so I am going to repeat it. Okay. He is said to have claimed human meat was more delicious than California beef and said Tamsin's liver was the sweetest bite he had ever tasted. Hmm. If he said that, that's disgusting. Yeah. And I wonder, like we've talked about before, since he had the taste, got the taste, if he became a cannibal after that. Yeah. That's just a weird comment to, like, go around telling people. Yeah. Even if you did enjoy the meat. Ugh. Like, <laughs> it's gross. But, I mean. Yeah, why talk about it? Yeah. Well, like I said, he was, seemed to be a very bizarre man. Yeah. In regards to the questions of how they could resort to cannibalism, I think one of the female survivors summed it up best when she was questioned about how the experience affected her. She said, quote, what would you do if you were a mother watching your children starve and freeze to death? You've already eaten the horses and oxen and boiled their hides into a horrible gelatinous concoction. You've eaten field mice and finely cut 
the throats of your beloved family dogs and eaten them, paws and all. But you know that there's protein that will keep you alive in those snowbanks, end quote. Yeah. Of course, she's referring to the party members. Yeah. That's messed up. Not messed up what they did. It's messed up. That she ever had to feel that, that way. Yeah, that all of that happened. Yeah. And how, how hard it must have been for them. Yeah. I feel like it's easy to say that you wouldn't resort to cannibalism. Well, one, you have to be in the situation to really understand what they went through. But I feel like it it's different if it's someone that you love and care about suffering. Like what she was saying, her oh, children. Yeah. Well, that and then them having to kill their family dog. Yeah. And then going, yeah, going having to eat their family in the snowbank. Yeah. But certainly watching somebody else, especially children, suffering. Yeah. I don't see how they couldn't take yeah. the option. I I don't know. I just, like I said, you have to be in the situation, but be a really hard decision. Yeah. Now onto the ghosts. Like I said, I didn't find a lot. I read some vague accounts of voices being heard at the site of one of the cabins the Donner Party used, but no real specific stories. Also, Tamsin Donner, the wife of George, as I mentioned, is the name that comes up as a ghost that is believed to haunt the park. Hmm. A few stories of people seeing her, but nothing, you know, no real details. I read in a number of places a vague account of a woman identified as Elizabeth, name changed to protect the privacy. Yeah. I'm not sure why this story is so popular. I think it is because it came from Barbara Smith's book, Ghost of California, which I have not read. I just heard the story was in there. Yeah. So if it is in the book, I can't say if I'm telling it the same way. Yeah. But what I read was basically in 1988, Elizabeth was driving toward the park and started to feel excited like she was going to visit old friends she hadn't seen in years. The closer she got to the park, the more intense the feeling became and tears came to her eyes. She said she even began to smell the smoke of a campfire. Once in the park, although nobody else was around, she had an overpowering feeling of being watched when she was near the area of the Donner camps. Hmm. The speculation was that she was feeling the presence of Tamsin Donner. To me, the story almost implies that she was Tamsin, maybe in a past life, or Tamsin was just kind of channeling through her or something. Because she seemed to be feeling these things as if there was something she had experienced before. Yeah. There was also a story about a woman named Joan Williams, again name changed. In the early 1990s, she was hypnotized and regressed to a past life where she was supposedly, allegedly, Patty Reed, daughter of James Reed. She said she was eight years old, cold, and in the mountains. She also said that she had been carried out of the camp by a Frenchman. Hmm. When asked what was most responsible for the tragedy, 
her answer was Hastings. Supposedly, allegedly, she didn't know anything about the Donner Party. Hmm. That's always hard to verify when they say they don't know anything about it. Yeah, I struggle with past life stories when they involve well-known people, I guess. When they're like big events. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we talked about this when we were talking about past lives in a previous episode. Yeah. But it's, it's always suspicious to me, yeah, when the person they're supposedly reincarnated from is a famous person. Yeah. But maybe that's because the non-famous ones aren't as verifiable. That's true. But like you said, hard to verify whether she knew anything or not. Yeah. Not invalidating anyone's experience. No, it's just like we were talking about with the the research on past life experiences. Yeah. They tried to verify that the person didn't know anything about what they were talking about. Yeah. But with someone who's well-known, that's hard to do because she can say that she doesn't know anything about the Donner Party, but it's real easy to get the information. Yeah. One last notable story was about a skier who got disoriented and ended up getting lost in the area. After wandering around for quite a while, a woman appeared. In a couple of recounts, she was described as a strangely dressed woman. The woman led him to a camp of people, and from there, he was able to find the trail he needed. Oh, wow. When he returned later that day to thank the woman, the people were gone and there was no trace of the campsite ever being there. Huh. Yeah. That's interesting. But that was it. That's sad. And I can't even imagine being in that position. Yeah, I can't either. I wish I had more to say, but I'm like at loss for words. No, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I think about, obviously, we've all heard the Donner Party jokes, right? Mm-hmm. which I won't repeat any of them, but never really paid attention to them. But now it's kind of like, hmm. People joke about anything, unfortunately. Yeah. I, I guess I'm not one to talk because we do have some dark humor sometimes during the <laughs> podcast. Uh. Elizabeth Bathory comes to mind. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know when too soon is. That's true. But there are definitely times where there are jokes that they should just never be. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's <laughs> hard. It's hard to figure out, I guess. I guess I can't judge, like I said. <laughs> I do get in some dark humor sometimes. All right. Well, like I said, next week you were going to talk about Jeffrey Dahmer. Yes. I'm assuming the most famous? The one I can think of, yeah. Yeah, I was trying to think if there was anybody else more famous than him. Maybe we should look that up. Yeah. Is that a good thing to look up in your search history? (laughs) Better than how to kill your parents. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I would say if I found your search history. (laughs) I would never search that. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Uh, Too dark. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we'll wrap it up. Okay. Thank you very much for joining us. Make sure to visit next week for more weird and creepy stories. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 12 past 3 or email us at podcast at 12 past 3com Good night. Good night.